0: Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead, and some days are magical, like great banana bread. Someday we'll be
1: friends with the voices in our heads, the voices in our heads. Oh, who didn't kill themselves this week? You didn't, and neither did I. And for that, let's give ourselves a hug, huh? Welcome to The Voices in Our Head i'm your host fucking christina marie hutchinson yes i've legally changed my name to fucking christina marie hutchinson instead of mrs or mr or ms or madam or sire i'm just gonna be fucking christina hutchinson guys what's happening in the world i don't are you okay i don't i guess it's shit's weird (laughs) and i haven't watched the news in approximately 48 hours so my apologies if i'm missing some major events y'all but i have to stay sane okay if you live in or near buffalo but not in the canada side because you can't come you got a quarantine or something there's probably weird rules but if you live near the buffalo new york area kevin stop pumping my foot If you live in the Buffalo, New York area or around there, I'm headlining Helium Comedy Club this Thursday. Yes, it's indoors. Yes, it's a comedy show. We're coming back, but in very limited capacity. Okay, you're going to have to wear your masks. I'm doing shows, six shows total. Helium Comedy Club, Buffalo this Thursday through Sunday. Wendy Starling is going to be featuring for me. The shows are 18 and up. You have to wear your mask, you pieces of shit. Do not come if you don't have a mask. And if you don't have a mask, go fucking buy a mask. Ugh, oh, you know you know i've been aching i've been aching for me to see a karen in the wild lately because i've been watching too many karen videos and it's making me mad you watch enough of those you're like i hate everybody you're all pieces of shit except you kevin except they it really does suck that they're nicknaming Well it doesn't suck that much it's just all oh, can you can we not nickname male karen's kevin can we pick another name that's my dog's name but it's okay because I'm confident that my dog is not a male Karen Kevin he is a different kind of Kevin and that's the dog kind and that's better because dogs are better than people y'all what was I saying I was promoting that gig I'm gonna get off so many tangents I'm gonna try to keep this episode under an hour can she do it I don't who knows who knows but you should come to the helium shows limited capacity tables are being you know six feet apart from each other you will only be sat with your party come alone who gives a shit then you'll be a g at a table by yourself who cares just because it's COVID, and if you come along to a comedy show now you you get kind of a spotlight on you by getting your own table own it bitch own it bitch kevin's coming too because i'm only going to take gigs that i can drive to which is just this one that's the only one um and it's gonna be fun I, I really am excited I have a lot of new material I've done stand-up twice so far it was both last week and the first show almost shipped my pantaloons I almost pooped my pants I almost poopied in my pants because think of like how if you had to go up on stage right now and do uh 10 minutes that's long for a new comic but let's say five minutes of material some of you couldn't most of you couldn't fucking do it because it's hard you know what I mean and so that's how it felt uh it, my first show back was in Long Island And the Long Island crowd, uh, they're usually trash in a fun way, but also in a Trump way. That's just been my experience and every other comedian's experience in Long Island. However, I will say, because of COVID and everybody being alone or with their miserable fuck families this whole time, having to teach their kids, now they're a math professor. Woohoo! Uh, people are dying for some intellectual stimulation. So this Long Island crowd was, in fact, the least Long Island of crowds I've ever witnessed. It was great. They were wonderful. It was crazy, guys. And I, I forgot how I brought myself into every single joke. But then all I had to do was take a second and pause and take a breath on stage in front of 74 strangers who are looking at me weird. And then I eventually remembered it. And I was like, shit, girl. Some of reading the Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. We're going to be covering chapter five at the end. And I've, I've ordered all, everybody who emailed me as of last Friday has gotten a book. Even if you live in fucking Germany. I had, I went through all the emails and I got I put all your info in spreadsheets and then I read your messages and I was like, guys, you're so nice. Aw, made me feel good. And I like giving. And so there was a lot of Canada, a lot of England, a lot of non-American. And you're getting them too. You're getting a book too. So if you emailed me up until uh, last Friday, you're getting a book. Okay? Man, nothing will make you want to quit smoking more than standing inside of a butthole. But when you're actually just outside and it's New York City and it's the heat. You walk outside. Because in my typical day-to-day, I don't usually smoke during the day. Every once in a while, I will. But then when I have a drink, I smoke. And I just, I don't know. Even when I'm home alone, well, with Kevin now... I like getting out of my apartment for 10 minutes to play Candy Crush and smoke a cigarette. I just, I like it. It's a little challenge. It's weird. It's, I like it. I like it. But now when you walk outside, you're all automatically inside of a butthole of a guy who's been on the elliptical since he was born and it is not appetizing and it makes you not want to smoke and I'm like, well shit, why can't it be butthole outside all the time? I'd quit smoking wish you could bottle I wish you could bottle up sweaty butthole and give it to people to breathe in for when well you get pink eye maybe for when they want to smoke and you can only smoke inside of a sweaty butthole see there is an invention that is too much trouble for what it's worth but that's how my head works guys I've been home alone not talking to a lot of people and you're all I have okay so stay on this planet I got high on marijuana. What am I, a fucking dad in the '60s? Are you high on the weed? I got high on the weed the other day, and I bought, I purchased Kevin twenty silk ties. Yes, I purchased twenty miniature silk ties, all in different patterns. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing all the same. Come on. It depends on which mood I'm in, which mood I perceive him to be in. But yeah, I forgot I ordered them. And then I got the package and I opened it and I was like, what the fuck is, are these like, are these things you tie around a napkin? I don't even have a kitchen table. My kitchen table is my coffee table, which I got to change. But yeah, I bought Kevin 20 silk ties. I hope they weren't expensive. They probably weren't. But I opened it and I'm like, God damn it, Christina, you did it again. Oh, another fun thing you could do. If you have if you have a credit card or a debit card, buy something off of Instagram that you like, you know. And then it's not gonna come for 80, until like 87 years after you order it. So by the time you get it, if you're still living at the same address, you'll be like, oh my God, I totally forgot I ordered this. And it's like Christmas. I used to do that with Amazon, but Amazon comes like in an hour from when you order it. So you're like, okay, I can't even, I don't even have a second to breathe or take a shit between ordering this and receiving it. So it takes a little bit of the joy away because you've lived your life in, in between the lines and you forgot that you ordered the thing. Especially if you was high on the weed. But yeah, I was high on the weed. And I got him a Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville t-shirt and a straw hat, yes I did. Yes I did, because he's all I have. And so are you, you, you and him are all I have, guys. You're all I have. I remember when, when I first got Kevin, my, one of my best friends, Justin Silver, who's a comedian and also a dog trainer. He was like, Christina. I'm to try and do a Justin impression, but it's not going to be good. Christina, infinite CBD. No, I'm just kidding. You kind of basically – I'm not going to try to do impression of him. I can't. He said, hey, Christina, don't – make sure he doesn't sleep in the bed with you or else Kevin's going to grow up to be really codependent. And I was like, oh, no. I kind of want that though. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I said it with my eyes and Justin knew exactly – And Justin knew I wasn't going to fucking – do what he said because no one's gonna tell me what I can and cannot do with my baby y'all he was like yeah you definitely don't want a codependent dog I'm like definitely don't but I kind of do I want him to need me because for the first 29 years of my life my sexual orientation was a straight man who needs my help okay and now I've since learned that those patterns are detrimental to my psyche and my growth okay so i while i will not be having a straight man who needs my help in my in my in my parameters in my vision i can have a dog that needs my help because it's okay right i remember the first night kevin the first like three nights kevin had every time he fell asleep he had to sleep on me and i was like oh this is amazing he needs me so much and then there was one night where he fell asleep, like, on the other end of the couch. And I was like, hey, buddy, you want to come lay on my lap? Oh, you're already asleep? Oh, okay, that's cool. Oh, I'm going to go kill myself. <laughs> Having a dog with a human name, truly, it feels like, it gives your dog a whole different angle. You just really feel like you're talking to a person. I'm not going to confide my deepest, darkest secrets to a Sparky. You know? It's hack. Come on who do you think I am I was thinking about this the other day so I majored in I majored in acting I got my BFA in acting which I remind you most times that I do fuck point theater okay I got BFA in acting and Melissa Benoist who plays Supergirl was in my acting class and everyone knew she was going to be a star and I was jealous because she did better in her scenes than I did. And I was like, what's holding me back? And that's when I, you know, cue therapy. That was the first time during those times, during uh, junior year of college. I was like, oh, that shit was fucked up, huh? That happened to me? Weird, okay, I'm gonna deal with that. I'm gonna take the next three years to let it sink in. Then I'm gonna take about four years to try to deal with it and then I'm not. And then I'm gonna take two years to really deal with it alone. And that was the trajectory of my life. But one of the, um, I miss homework. I really, I really, I, I was put in school at a time where I thought I was just stupid. I didn't have ADD. I had like behavioral ADD, but not like, I wasn't born with ADD. Um, and I never read any of the books because I couldn't sit still. Because when I sit still, bad shit happens. That's what my therapist said, I think. She goes, she'll, she'll slap some knowledge on me during therapy. Christina, no wonder you couldn't sit still. Because that's You didn't know what was going to happen It was too vulnerable I'm like yeah it was Wasn't it But um, during college We had a voice and speech class Because one of the things That made me think of this is um, White people doing accents That don't belong to them And uh, I know that that's that's racist That's That's not respectful But since from a very young age I was always fascinated by accents So fascinated by them and I loved, I loved like the an Indian accent. Oh my God, it's so beautiful to me. And and we took a class in uh, college. It was called Voice and Speech, and it just picked apart the way you talk. So I moved to New York with kind of. I think I still had a little bit of a Southern twang. I said y'all for a while, and I said pen instead of pen, P E N. Hey y'all, give me that pen. I need to write something down. Um, I kind of spoke like that for. I had a little twang still in college So in this voice and speech class The, the, the professor really um, They instilled standard stage dialect Which is why I overpronunciate everything um, But it kind of knocks the accent out of you And if I try really hard I think I could speak in a neutral tone I Apparently I have an accent I don't know what it is though But anyway I, I was always obsessed with people's accents Indian, like the Indian accent, was one of them. I'm like, oh, that's such a beautiful and and I'm not going to do it because now I know that that's not a nice thing to do because I'm a whitey and that's not, that's mocking. I, I wasn't ever doing it to mock. I was truly like our, our, our professor would tell us how to do certain accents and for that, the Indian one, for example, like it, the way your tongue dances in your mouth, I'm not going to do it, don't worry. You can unclench your buttholes. The way your tongue dances in your mouth while you talk is so it's like fucking poetic man i don't know how else to say it and that's why uh, now now that i understand i have a full understanding that doing accents to racial groups that aren't yours that's not that's not nice so i could still still do a southern accent y'all will never take that away from me you're not really taking anything away from me i'm just now i understand it's disrespectful i don't do it and that's called growth so yeah but my voice and speech class i was just thinking about all these different accents And how you have to move your tongue It's such specific movements I love Oh I love when people have lisps Oh my god I just think it's so It's so cute I think it's so And I think it's a On a guy I think it's so hot um, If he's of age Because I feel like Sometimes people associate lifts, l- Lisps With like a little kid I <laughs> One of the stand-up shows I did There's this comedian Ashton Womack Was on it And I think he, he had a lisp And he was a bit And he's like Whoever invented the word lisp is an asshole because we can't say it i'm like that's fucking hilarious it's like something you never think of until a comedian points it out but i love lisps i love accents i love people who english isn't their first language and they have and so whatever their accent is oh my god i love it even the german accent i love that too it's it's just oh if if the german accent was a form of architecture it would certainly be brutalism brutalism is this form of architecture that's like no windows you just come in and you die there's a one building in new york it's like a verizon building or so they say and it's brutalism because it looks like a torture chamber that's 27 stories high there's no windows it's the most depressing building y'all so I was thinking about that and I was like, like, you know, but just different accents and speech. I really love, I just love the way people talk. And in order for me to be attracted to a guy that I'm dating, I have to be attracted to his voice. That's just, a voice is a big factor in a lot of things. Sometimes I want to be friends with somebody just because of their voice. I just love it. I love, that's one of the reasons why I liked uh, stand-up comedian that I don't like anymore. His name's TJ Miller. I don't like him because he's mean and well. Ugh, ugh, i've had too many shit interactions with him but you form your own opinion okay just because i said it doesn't mean you have to go christina doesn't like tj miller so i don't like him now either but i don't give a shit if you like him but one of the things i liked about him and i was bummed when i realized oh i don't like you anymore um his i just love his voice it's very it's just very there's i don't know i don't know how to describe it i'm forgetting some of the um theory that i was taught in this voice and speech class but I just love the various qualities in people's voices. I think it's, ugh, I love the way you can manipulate a voice to sound different ways and different tones, communicate different things. And I love like in Mandarin, for example, like part of the way you say the sound is, you know, contributes to the meaning of the word. I mean, they kind of like, they do that in English with sarcasm. Honey, do I look fat? Uh, no, you don't look fat. Sarcasm, you know what I mean? And then he gets punched in the face, and then he wonders why no woman will ever love him. And oh, he's got to read the six pillars of self esteem. But anyway, in this class, I I've, I was like, oh yeah, we had this one of our finals for this class, or our final for this class was we had to recite this tongue twister: grip top sock. And I was like, oh yeah. I just remembered it randomly the other day. This is, if you have a BFA in acting, this is this is one of the things you will do, is this, you know, you have to take a dialect class, a voice and speech class. And this fucking grip top sock, I it's this, it's this, you know, it's it's this um Dr. Seuss-esque poem. Did he write it? He might have written it. It's so hard. We had to memorize it and say it i'm gonna read it to you i oh god i and i just remember it's giving me flashbacks giving me ptsd of being in my my dorm room and just punching the wall and then realizing the wall was um concrete brick and not drywall either way would have been very hurtful but it was even more hurtful um again didn't know where my anger was stemming from guys (laughs) i was walking around like i'm fine and I wasn't but in the midst of all that i had to learn this home called grip top sock and i wrote it down i want to see if i want to see if i could say it it's it's i mean look we're in quarantine we're not doing shit fucking see if you could say this tongue twister you know what i mean just just see if you could do it something to do if you've done all your jigsaw puzzles so this is how it goes give me the gift of a grip top sock a a dip drape ship shape tip top sock not your spiv slick slapstick slip stick slop stock ah but a plastic elastic grip top sock none of your fantastic slack swap stock from a slap dash flash cash haberdash shop not a knick-knack knock knee knickerbocker sock with a mock shot blob model trick ticker clock fuck not a rucked up puckered up flop top sock nor a super sheer sheer seersucker rucksack sock shit not a spot speckled frog freckled cheap chic sock off a Hodgepodge moss blotched scotch botched block motherfuck nothing slip shop no nothing slip shop oh i did it right drip drop flip flop or glip glop tip me to a tip top grip top sock motherfucker i mean that's that's how i learned it it's so infuriating i hate when i can't do a thing like i i the i I'm a perfectionist, but perfectionism is always bad cuz you're setting yourself up for failure cuz no one will ever be perfect. So, if you're a perfectionist, you're also, you know, that's a form of emotional cutting. Um because you're you're putting yourself in a position that you know you cannot meet your expectations cuz no one's fucking perfect. Have you looked around? Have you looked around? Raw pieces of garbage. But Oh my God! I would just, just, just so many times in my dorm room. This fucking poem—not a spot speckled frog, freckled cheap chic sock—and then I started talking like I was an, like a, like an old timey narrator. It's like, and I had to—I got so pit. And my the challenge for me during this final, you had to memorize it and say it pretty fast. Was to not get mad at myself and like punch myself in the face. What's that movie, is it Happy Madison, where Adam Sandler's just really fucking angry? I love, I think, oh God, I love, I love that trope. It's it, That will never get hacked to me, somebody with a terrible temper. And you never see women with a terrible temper as comedic tropes. And that's fucking hilarious. Can we bring, not bring it back, can we put a spotlight on mad bitches, please? They're funny, okay? I'm funny, shut up. Anyway, that poem that was just that was that was really um, it, it took a lot out of me. Hey guys, let's do some fuckboy theater, okay? Okay, this fu- this is wow i mean i'm gonna read this guy's entire profile and i mean i hope he doesn't listen to this because obviously you're gonna know it's you talk about verbose um and and i and i need you to know like i'm just fascinated by this person i don't whenever i make make fun of these guys profiles a lot of times where they're like hey you want to fuck no i'm good you stupid fat fucking pig like I'll make fun of you and feel really great about it because you're a sad man and that's mean. And don't be mean and I feel very comfortable making fun of you. Um, in a way, you know, you're probably not fucking listening to this if that's what you say to women online. So this guy um, is, It's. I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna say his name. Because that's a little more specific he's not american he's from a country that i'm just gonna put an accent on it just to let you know he's from a country i think he actually might say it in his bio so you'll find out i'm gonna do it not a good version of the accent so just trigger warning for all you british folks you're gonna cringe okay so this is some fuckboy theater this is this guy's i don't know what app this is i don't know what app but uh the girl that sent me this had an 86 percent match with this person um let's read a self-summary <clears throat> I've reopened my profile to celebrate the lockdown and the scuttling of the UK economy, which seems to have made OnlyFans the biggest employer of young women. As long as the girls pay their taxes and OnlyFans publishes its gender pay gap data, then all's well that ends well as long as their future husbands don't find out. I am in Bath, UK at present, after an o- overwhelming level of concern I can no longer reply to quote hi how are you individually so I'll state that I'm fine thanks here my weekend and week likely went well too thanks for your care S- uh, and then in parentheses, superseded my last lockdown weekend resulted in my drinking 700 milliliters of gin and watching once upon a time in Hollywood I'm also going to be doing a variety of British accents throughout this okay it somehow seems fitting through the haze of juniper. I thought I thought that I have liked hippie girls, but... See, now I don't even know where we're going. Uh, I thought I, I would have liked hippie girls, but in other places I wasn't so sure. I probably wouldn't have been middle class enough. A more recent weekend saw me water fasting from 2000... Friday to two... Oh, twenty hundred. Twenty hundred Friday to twenty hundred Sunday. The 48-hour fast was easier than I thought it would be. OK Cupid, I guess that's the app he's on, seems to be hiding my messages, and I find them after several months. Update, several years. So my Instagram is... Not giving that out. I get the feeling that my complimentary match... Is somewhere between 70 and 90% here. I'd probably think that a 90% plus match is batshit crazy. Not sure if this quip has aged well, but that's no excuse for deep fat cat madness. (laughs) And we'd be like a cat trying to walk round its reflection in the mirror. I think Tinder has destroyed dating, and I prefer the women on OK Cupid anyway. I like connecting with people I'd not normally encounter during my life. Uh, my life. And that's pretty much the entire planet at present. So that was his self-summary. Oh, do you want to know what he wrote under what I'm doing with my life? Okay, the novel continues. Knowing whom to flee is the most valuable art in the dating game. It takes skill to know which girls to pursue and to know when to cut one's losses quickly. Often, the reward of plunging into the honeypot is not worth the risk of Harriet jumping into my windshield, scratching her name on the passenger door, and reversing over my iPad when her calls are not returned. I bear no grudge against Harry. Ordinarily, she was a psycho, but she had her lucid moments when she was merely senseless. She, He continues. Jealous husbands, outraged chefs, humiliated tailors. The list is endless. I am a bachelor. I can find, I can enjoy life as I please and I hope this sets a dangerous precedent. I've become more dangerous to wives than rival women for the souls of their husbands. I don't know what the fuck that means. Okay, now he answers, I'm really good at, I'm really good at being misophonic. If you spend an entire train journey annoyed that a passenger incessantly sniffs to keep his nasal drip inside, you are on your way to misophonia. Hand him a tissue and you're there. Also, I am apparently good at firm foot rubs, which is a good thing because women tend to indulge their love-hate relationship with heels owning to my height. Oh, God. Just say you like shorties. They are also handy icebreakers for non-alcoholic dates. Can you imagine going on a non-alcoholic date with this fucking guy? My partner, and then it says, my partner should be very cunnilingus centric, but women with supplementary oral needs are welcome. <laughs> I spend a lot of time thinking about why I ended up living in a cock fest. I went to Northern Ireland last week and my Tinder exploded with attractive women. Returning to the southwest of England, in parentheses, deep blue, it died and I deleted the app. UK-wide, it's 90% men. The economic system of cuckoldry previewed right there. (laughs) Uh, The first thing people notice about me. Your fucking novels? My long shadow sliding across the floor and up the wall, often but not necessarily accompanied by music. That I didn't lie about my height after you decided to meet me in your highest heels. And then there's a picture of him reading the book. She comes first. Okay, the last prompt. Oh, no, no, there's, there's two more. Don't you worry. The most thing I'm willing to admit, the most private thing I'm willing to admit. Oh, Christ. What the critics are saying, beat that. Quote, I don't think I scratched your surface. You're certainly a dish, a wit without doubt, and your magnetism is undeniable. That's from a woman named Lottie. And then, quote, Sinclair, I am drunk. That's not his name. I have spent the afternoon drinking with Matt Folis and Michael Kane yet, yet my mind is focused elsewhere. I desire you. Fuck the pretense. I want you. You drive me crazy. You make me angry, and all I could think of is you. No airs, not graces. I just want you. That was from a woman named LJ. And then the next quote, quote. You are exactly the slightly strange type of a man I think about in my older, hearty scenario. That was from a woman named Charlotte. Next quote, douchebag. That was from a woman named Marie. You should message me if your message won't cause me to stare blankly at a screen and down a beer with diazepam, editor's lockdown note. That's 700 milliliters of gin. You're not on the bath salts. You should message me if your kitten who still has her mittens. You should message me if you wear yoga leggings. I believe, sir, that's just called yoga pants. You should message me if you like foot rubs and or cunnilingus. Christ, I mean, there's more, but I'm not going to read it. And scene. (laughs) I mean, I just felt like I relived my last relationship, but British. Oh, my God. Men just yap, 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 yap yap I mean that was painful I'm almost regret doing that guys this is a guy's that was a guy's fucking okay cupid bio what the fuck I would be so pissed if somebody was like yeah you have like a 80% match with this fucking novelist oh my god i'd rather be alone being alone rules okay before i get to chapter five because again we're going real slow with this nathaniel brandon six pillars of self-esteem the definitive work on self-esteem by the leading pioneer in the field we're gonna do chapter by chapter these chapters are very short you fucking read as a header behind as you fucking want boo boo but there is a self-esteem crisis in the u.s of a and the world at large and i'm committed to soften it okay before I get into that, I'm going to read you an email and enc- an email from a woman who was abducted by aliens or had an alien encounter. Oh, my Christ. You guys. Motherfuckers be abducted by aliens. Whew. I mean, I'm choosing to believe you. You don't sound nuts. You really don't. I, do, I mean, I do believe you. Okay, let me just read this email. And so the hairs on your arm can stand up as well. Hey, Christina and Kevin. Aw, that's sweet. You asked if any of us have ever been abducted, and I'm pretty sure I was. You be the judge. Okay, I will. I'll start off by saying I don't remember this because I was very young, but my mom has recounted the story many times, so I'll be sharing what she still insists happened. I Didn't even find out about this until high school. Once, a friend and I were talking about aliens, and my mom overheard and offered, quote, you know, you were abducted by aliens when you were little. What? (laughs) Yeah, if my mom said that, I'd be like, Mm wait, 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 I'd be so pissed she didn't tell me earlier. Apparently when I was two to three years old I started complaining to my parents That strange men were visiting me In my room at night (laughs) I said that they had gray skin And no mouth or ears But I could hear I could quote Hear them in my heart Oh my god Guys I think aliens are kind of awesome I think aliens might be like, dope. Okay, I'll continue. My mom tried reassuring me, honey, we have an alarm system. The doors are locked. And if anyone was trying to get you, we would be there to help. I responded, you try to help me, but you can't because everything stops. Yo, she's talking about the space time continuum. When she asks what I meant, I told her that the ceiling fan, TV, and my parents' physical bodies would straight up freeze when the men visited. Oh, my God. Around the same time, my mom overheard me on the baby monitor telling my neighbor that the weird men gave me a shot and it hurt. Ah, of course, my mom then put me in a tub naked and checked all over my body for any marks, but she didn't find anything. And as any mom would do, she freaked the fuck out and bought every alien book available and fully convinced herself this was happening to me. In a panic she asked her mom for advice about how to handle the situation, and my grandmother responded, quote, Yeah, you used to say the same things when you were little, but you turned out fine. Wait, My mom doesn't really remember telling these stories either, but she does have a vivid memory of being drawn out of her window at night by a bright light. And crying and screaming because she didn't want to go her sister who slept in the same room didn't wake no matter how loud she screamed understandably she likes to tell herself it was just a dream my mom said she just had to learn to accept that if i was being visited or abducted by extraterrestrials there was nothing she could do about it which is horrifying yeah no shit We joke now that the aliens must be tracking our lineage and it'll probably happen to my kids too. What can you do? Interestingly, around the time that I was, quote, abducted, I developed ARFID, which is all caps, A-R-F-I-D, an eating disorder that manifests similar to anorexia but isn't motivated by body image. Before the age of three, I ate everything that was handed to me. But afterwards, I could only eat a few specific foods, would rather starve than put something in my mouth that was not on the list. I still suffer from this today. And it's interesting because I'm drawn more towards unprocessed foods. My theory is that the aliens gave me a considerate heads up that the McRib would give me cancer. Since childhood, I've had several strange experiences that might suggest this still happens to me from time to time. Every once in a while... Like every couple of years, I'll wake up in the morning completely exhausted with, with no sense that time has passed while I was sleeping, which is weird because I am a light sleeper and always recall getting up and moving around throughout the night. It truly feels like I lay down in bed and drift to sleep, but my alarm goes off the next minute on one of these occasions my v-neck t-shirt i put on before bed in front of a mirror by the way was on backwards and inside out thank you for taking the time to read this adore the podcast it really shows you do this because you care and i appreciate that so much oh girl it's true i do thanks again jess oh p.s ad free hulu only costs six extra bucks a month so i only wanted to read one because i only had time for one but one of the through lines in these alien stories is that they felt like no time has passed. things stood still like people around them like time stood still and that's the other thing if you read about um, Navy planes spotting um, UFOs, they say like all of a sudden it, it, it moves in a way that an air that an airplane, as we know it today does not move it does not move side to side and then it just kind of disappears so they're like totally more being like this space-time continuum guys and on that episode of unsolved mysteries they interviewed several people in this town in massachusetts not in bumfuck north dakota and they all had a similar story one of the people one of the families was abducted the whole fucking family in a car because it made me ask myself, like, why don't people get abducted in groups so that somebody else could be like, I was there. And then one of the people, I guess, they got abducted as a family. And then when they came back from being in the alien ship, the, the person, the family member that was originally driving was in the passenger seat. And the person that was originally in the passenger seat was driving. And they were like, mm, wait, something's fucked up. So we did go somewhere. I mean, guys, how cool is that? Oh, it's so fucking cool. Guys, aliens are real. Shut the fuck up. Okay? Aliens are so fucking real. I think it's so cool. I want to see one so bad. oh I came across a trash can on fire the other day. And I and I ran towards it and I was like, "I call 911. Guys, I got it." No one gave a shit. No one even really noticed. I'm like, "Okay, I mean, it's a trash can. It could be a bomb." No one gives a shit. Okay, cool. Called 911, and those firefighters got here and I stared at them. Oh, I I fucked them. Woo! It was great. Mm, mm, mm. They came so quick, too. Ugh. F, coming quick. You could come as quick as you want, darling. I don't even care uh, if you're a firefighter. But yeah, and then I just stared at him A little, little too long, I gotta say. I do enjoy the double standard. You know, women, we don't get much, right? We don't get, <sighs> but one of the things that we can enjoy with being a woman is, is you know, it's a very small thing, very small guy. Is the double standard like we can be creepy to a guy? Like I was, I fucking this firefighter as he—I mean, he got the hose out. Ugh, I was narrating, but I thought I was doing it without actually talking, but I was actually talking. I'm like, "Yeah, get that fucking hose, get that fucking hose, yeah, get it. Oh, spray that trash can, yeah." And then this homeless guy was looking at me like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "You okay, fucking asshole?" And uh, but I do enjoy the double standard where a woman can be creepy to a man you know with limits you can't you know show up at a guy's house with a gun like that's illegal and mean but when we're creepy to a guy in that in an instance like that it's like funny but then if a guy's creepy to us we can like get his gym membership revoked or whatever it's like give me a little power come on guys aliens are real okay so let's go into i want to make these episodes short and succinct because i'm trying to work on not saying the same thing a billion times in a row in like different ways or accents you know because i've been listening back to these podcasts y'all trying to improve the way i talk um but chapter five the six pillars of self-esteem i mean i i really just i want to read every fucking word and that's kind of you know that just get the audiobook for that, right? So I highlighted a lot of stuff. But so chapter 5 it, it introduces all of the 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 pillars of self-esteem, but it the the headline of the header of chapter 5 is the focus on action. And I love the beginning of this cuz basically you we don't you can't everyone is born into different sets of circumstances and everybody's reaction to things whether it be um uh, an opportunity to troll Donald Trump online. Okay, there's there's a common one. You know, the president is accessible. You can troll him online. Uh, just you know how you choose to communicate throughout your day to day and how you handle situations. All of those th- that what determines how you handle things and how you use your words is everything that's happened to you in your life up until that fucking point. Okay, so we're all different because only uh, only we have had the exact. Experiences that we have had Does that make sense <laughs> Feels obvious But like It's just important To keep in mind So you might see somebody React to something And you're like What the fuck's up That guy's ass Well you don't know If that guy's dad Touched him weird When he was a kid So I always like to Keep that in mind And I'm glad I, I'm glad I talked about Childhood trauma In the earlier episodes Because um, You know Basically this chapter five Of the six pillars Of self esteem Is saying I can't, I can't fucking help What happened to you up until here? But one thing that affects self-esteem in a positive way is taking actions. And when I read that, I was like, thank God. Because can I not fucking blame my family for another thing, please? I really, I need, I love them very much. And I'd rather, um, I'd rather have the responsibility in my hands. You know, I took a lot of years to untangle. Oh, wait, that was fucked up when she did that. Okay, okay. And that takes a lot of time to sink in, depending on who you are. That's the other thing. You could you could have two people that grow up in equally abusive households and one could just have more determination and grit and willpower and the other one doesn't, but it ain't your fault. So uh, the other thing I like about this book is it focuses on, it, it's kind of like science-based, psychology-based, but psychology is social science. So it's like, you know, it, it's just a lot of studies and a lot, it's very comforting. The way he words this is so comforting and it makes... It makes the idea of having a healthy sense of self-esteem seem so, not only attainable, but like within your reach. Well within your reach. And it is well within your reach. But the obstacles in your mind might trick you otherwise. That's why whenever somebody's like, I can't I can't do what my dream career is, my immediate response to them is, you can't with that attitude, you piece of shit. I don't call them that because that'll only make things worse. So chapter five, uh, Nathaniel Brandon asks, what must an individual do to generate and sustain self-esteem? What patterns of actions must be adapted? What is the responsibility of you and me as adults? In answering this, we have a standard by which to answer the question, what must a child learn to do if he or she is to enjoy self-esteem? I love the way he worded that. Because self-esteem truly, when you have it, it's so enjoyable I have it in a lot of areas. I really do. And I don't have it in other areas. I thought I was, I didn't think I was cocky, but I really thought my self-esteem was, was intact. And I based that off of the fact that I was happy all the time. And then I realized my happiness was just a ruse, um, even for me in private. And that's a bummer. So then I had to like rebuild myself and my whole personality and unlearn all of the things that I learned. And I was like, cool, BRB for a couple of years. Well, I figured that out. But I like that. I like, because one of the things that my therapist says to me with trauma, she's a trauma specialist. That's She specializes in, in patients who've experienced trauma, which is fucking 90% of us. Um, she says that it's so important for a parent to take joy in their child experiencing joy. And that struck a chord with me um, that a, a, a psychotherapist could could be reminding me of that pretty often and how important that is and how how important it is for the child and really what that I think ultimately that does is that increases the child's self-esteem and allows the child to be his or herself or their self or their non-binary fine-ass fucking self okay but it's so important to have a parent just take joy in you being happy and I mean I don't I'm assuming I had that I mean, I have proof of it. It's in home videos. But there was a point in my mom's um, life when I was a little bit older, so like maybe five to ten, where her medications were making her just fly up and down. And so that kind of went away a little bit. And so, oh boy, Christina's birthing some issues that I wouldn't even know until years later. Uh, Until we know what what practices an individual must master to sustain self-esteem, Until we identify what psychologically healthy adulthood consists of, we lack criteria by which to assess what constitutes a favorable or unfavorable childhood influence or experience. I love science. It's like a hug. For example, we know that as a species, our mind is our basic tool of survival and and of appropriate adaptation. A child's life begins in a condition of total dependency. We're one of the few mammals on this planet that are completely dependent on our mothers. But an an adult's life and well-being, from the attainment of the simplest necessities to the most complex values depend on hold on i gotta turn the page depend on the ability to think consequently we recognize that childhood experiences that encourage and nurture thinking self-trust and autonomy are to be valued we recognize that families in which reality is often denied (laughs) and consciousness often punished uh, place devastating obstacles to self-esteem They create a nightmare world In which the child may feel That thinking is not only futile but dangerous Man, one if you had a parent with depression Or alcoholism or any type of addiction That parent, it's so likely That that parent denied your reality And I think I, I said this quote on here I talk on too many podcasts But um, when a parent starts denying a child's reality Is when a child starts doubting themselves And that's a traumatic thing for a kid So if if I go you know, if we're having a good day at, at the park or at the zoo. And I'm like, oh, that was great, mommy. And just for an, this is an example. And then the mommy was like, go to your room, you dumb bitch. I'm, this is not happening in my real life. I'm just, you know, pulling from examples that are comical because they're probably true for some of y'all. And so that's going to confuse that kid. Wait a second. I just had a really wonderful day with my parent. And now they're yelling at me. What I thought was how the day went, I guess, isn't. Yo, it's fucked up, man. Cause you know how vulnerable children are, and you know how influential children are. I mean, come on, it's way too easy to fuck your kid up. So if you're a parent who's fucked their kid up, do not get down on yourself. That'll only make everything worse. You can't help it. You do what you did at the time. You did the best you could. Um, but it's really dangerous. And my therapist always says to me, she's like, "You weren't allowed to feel." And one of the t- well, there was one time I think she told me like, "No one asked how you felt," a couple times, and then. You know, one session I had with her well into her saying this, I remember I go, Wait a second. No one asked how I was doing. Hey, what the fuck? And she was like, I know, I've been telling you that. But it really matters. I mean, really, I don't, I don't, and if they did, I don't fucking remember it. But the idea of a parent, me being a child and somebody going, Hey, are you okay? I can't even, I can't even, f-. I'm like, Huh? When my therapist first posed that, I'm like, wait, parents ask if their kids are okay? Like, more like emotionally okay? Not just like, is your knee hurt? They ask like, like they care about the emotional well being? Like, I didn't even think a child had an emotional well being because my antennas were so focused outward and how everybody else was doing around me because I needed that for my own survival. So, if you have a parent, if you had a parent with, um, or a guardian with uh, any type of mental illness or addiction, the likelihood that your didn't de- your reality was denied is is large. And then he continues in Ayn Rand's definition. By the way, I, he he smooched with Ayn Rand. I don't know if they dated or were married or something, but um, anyway, in Ayn Rand's definition, life is a process of self-generated and self-sustaining actions. I just thought that was a good quote. What determines the level of self-esteem is what the individual does. So if a child grows up. In an appropriately nurturing home environment, so none of us, the likelihood is increased that he or she will learn the actions that support self-esteem, although there are no guarantee. Because that child could be like, sometimes kids, you know, we've all met kids that are just, that were like, are you, were you born a piece of shit? I know you're only seven, but I fucking hate you. Like some kids just suck. And it's certainly not the parents. Sometimes it's the parents, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's like, oh man, your kid fucking sucks. That sucks. I feel bad. Um, and for whatever reason, sometimes they just have a bad attitude. Other times it's a mental thing. You never know. You never know. Anyway, uh, let's continue. Uh, if a child is exposed to the right kind of, kinds of teachers, the likelihood is increased that self-esteem supporting behaviors will be learned. Again, my fucking, I cannot tell you how many teachers, oh, I had so many old teachers. I had like a bunch of old teachers that were so old that truly they just, the second we walked in the classroom, the the TV got wheeled in and they just put on a movie. Every time. We didn't even, when we had tests, we would ask each other out loud what the answers were and she didn't even care. I was like, okay, you just don't give a shit. Not that say that teacher didn't ruin our self-esteem. I got good grades in that class because I was able to cheat, which didn't really do much for my self-esteem. Um, but yeah, so the likelihood of a teacher really nurturing. I mean, a good, good teacher, man, that's a fucking, that's a gem, that's a gem to society. If you are a teacher, This book is such a great resource for you to support um, actions of self-esteem in others. If a person experiences successful psychotherapy in which irrational fears are dissolved and blocks to effective functioning are removed, a consequence is that he or she will manifest more of the kinds of actions that support self-esteem. But it is a person's actions that are decisive. What determines the level of self-esteem is what the individual does within the context of his or own knowledge and values. Um, so it kind of relates to always do your best. And since action in the world is a reflection of action within the mind of the individual, it is the internal process processes that are crucial. So action is how you get self-esteem. Specific actions that he's gonna outline. All involve choices. They are choices that confront us every hour of our existence. Meaning living with with healthy self esteem. It's just a series of choices. Your day is a series of choices. I smoke weed at night, so I don't gotta be in the driver's seat all the goddamn time because it's exhausting. But like when I was popping Adderalls all day and all night, oh my god, I wasn't I wasn't on the ground. I was up in the air, and that was where I was most comfortable with. Because as a kid, I was up in the air, and I thought that that was my actual personality. Turns out, it wasn't. <laughs> But it's, it's, it is, life is just a series of choices that confront us every hour of our existence. Oh, God. Isn't it hard? Truly, congrats on not killing yourself. I'm serious. And then there's a section called volition and its limits. And then I was like, what's the word volition mean? I don't, I'm going to be very honest because I'm not ashamed of this. I don't know what a lot of words mean. I don't know because I didn't pay attention in school because I was too busy twiddling my thumbs or playing tic tac toe with myself. I truly didn't pay attention and I thought it was because I was stupid. Um, uh, so volition is the power of using one's will Volition is a powerful force in our lives But it is not the only force Neither for a young person Nor for an adult Is our freedom absolute and unlimited uh, Many factors can make An appropriate exercise of consciousness Easier or harder Some of these factors may be genetic Biological Focused thinking may come more easily To some individuals than to others Because of factors that precede Any life experiences So your, your DNA So sometimes it's hard for you to concentrate because it's just in your bones. There is a reason to suspect that we may come into harder... Wait, huh? There is reason to... Guys, I'm also not good at reading out loud. There is reason to suspect that we may come into this world with certain inherent differences that may make it easier or harder to attain healthy self-esteem. Furthermore, I'm kind of skipping around here, we may come into this world with significant differences in our predisposition to experience anxiety or depression. And these differences, again, may make it easier or harder to develop self-esteem. And, I mean, I'm no doctor, but I'm going to guess that one of those factors is inherited trauma. So we talk about childhood trauma a lot. If you are a descendant of slaves in America, the odds that and then knowing knowing the history of what happened to your family I cannot imagine how traumatic that must be but then there's actual like trauma actually affects your DNA the body keeps score is such it's very sciencey and heady and I don't understand a lot of parts of it Um, when it goes into like the neural composition of trauma. But one of the things that I took away from the Body Keeps score is that trauma is in your DNA. It can affect your DNA. But one of the things you can do to break the cycle of inherited trauma is to do intense psychotherapy uh, is one of the many, many things you could do. Um, But that's things that even if, even if no one told you the history of your family, you could still inherit this trauma genetically. So, I mean... Really, it's a miracle we're still alive. Okay, seriously, congrats on not caring for yourself. I'm serious. Um, and then there's a section about parenting and its limits. Ugh, man. <sighs> if we have parents who raise us with love and respect, who allow us to experience consistent and benevolent acceptance, who give us the supporting structure of reasonable rules and appropriate expectations, which again is probably like two of us, who do not assail us with contradictions, again, one of us maybe who do not resort to ridicule humiliation or physical abuse as means of controlling us who project that they believe in our competence and goodness we have a decent chance of internalizing their attitudes and thereby uh, and thereby of requiring the foundation for healthy self-esteem i mean truly i don't know that any person on this planet has been that nurtured i'm sure they have but, you know, when Am- when, we, when Karen and I interviewed Amber Rose um, for Guys We Fucked, it was one of our biggest, like, our first huge, like, celebrity interviews. And then it came out, like, a day after Kanye tweeted about the butthole stuff. And I was like, holy PR God. I didn't plan that. Anyway, one of the things Amber Rose said to us was, and I don't know if this was her original concept, because I feel like this is a, a concept that has been around for a while, but it's like confidence is always the quietest. And insecurity is always the loudest. And when she said that, I was like, Yo, that's mad true. So I'm sure there are people who have, who were, who had parents like, who did things like what I just read. I mean, I, that just seems so fucking foreign to me. But the odds that those people are like, here I am, I'm over here, are probably slim. I feel like if you had those kind of parents, you're not a up comedian. You know, you got the attention you needed. And that's the other thing. I'm Whatever happened to me as a kid, all the circumstances in which I was born, I'm glad they happened. And I really do feel that because I'm so self-aware, I can end this genetic trauma of my family. Because, man, I read the social work paperwork from when my mom was adopted, and not cute. Not cute. Anyways, yeah, we're all kind of fucked. Um, there are people who have emerged from appalling backgrounds, raised by adults who did everything wrong, and yet... They do well in school, form stable and satisfying relationships, have a powerful sense of self and value and dignity, and as adults, satisfy any rational criterion of good self-esteem. As children, these individuals seem to know how to extract nourishment from an environment that others find hopelessly barren. They find water where others see only a desert. That's beautiful. That made me think of the movie Matilda. Starring Mario Wilson. That was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Oh, Roald doll It's a book turned into a movie. Such a magical movie. Matilda's parents fucking sucked. They hated her. Danny DeVito played the dad and Rhea Perlman played the... Oh, my God. They were so fucking great. But they were just truly terrible and hated her. And she, Matilda loved books. And she emerged from having two shit parents. And was able to do all of the things that this person described... That Nathaniel Brennan just described... This example of a kid who was born into bad circumstances and manages to find nourishment. But that was a movie based off of a girl with magical powers. So to me, that says it's a little rare. Although I do know people who've come up through circumstances where I'm like, holy hell. And they have incredible heads on their shoulders. But that's not, you know, you can't say because somebody has gone through something that they're a better person. I, I used to think that. I used to think like, you know, Man, the people who are closest to me have really seen some shit. And that's true. That's still true. And I thought that that was one of the reasons who they are who they are. But people handle their childhood as adults in such different ways Um, that have things that you can help and then things you can't help uh, depend on how you handle it. So, I mean, we're all fucked. That's basically what we're saying. Uh, Okay, nonetheless, it is safe enough to say that if no one that if one sorry if one lives in a sane human environment in which reality is respected and people's behavior is congruent it is far easier to persevere in efforts to be rational and productive than if the signals are always switching nothing seems real and facts are denied and consciousness is penalized oh dude yeah because one of my things my therapist always said was your feelings were dangerous it was dangerous to feel because if you had feelings your parents would react to them strongly your mom would react to them in a bad way or whatever depending on her mood so I learned to not it's not that I learned to not have feelings because that's impossible but the second a feeling came up I just shoved it deep down in that hole and boy it's gonna pop up kids it's it always does okay um here's something that Nathaniel Brandon says about having inner blocks if I block my feelings about my parents if I cut off access to those feelings through denial, disowning, and repression, and then try to think about my relationship with my boss. I may have disconnected myself from so much pertinent material that I can easily become muddled and discouraged or give up. Or if, uh, if I block major negative feelings about some assignment my manager has given me and find that my interactions with my team are persistently and mysteriously abrasive i may experience great difficulty in thinking how to resolve the abrasiveness as long as i remain unconscious of the deeper sources of the disturbance i mean that's a fancy way of saying you know trigger it's a trigger it's a, it's a form of trigger um and 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 having reactions that aren't the reactions that your adult current self wants to have Like the times that I have been triggered, the logical 32-year-old Christina is like, what the fuck is happening? And before I understood that a trigger is an old feeling, because now when I have a really strong emotion, I ask myself, is this an old feeling? Because it usually is. And then I can understand it. That's why, you know, I used to say I'm a self-help junkie and I used to be like, lol, it's kind of, I guess I'm addicted to self-help. No, 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 no. This is helping with my self-esteem, understanding myself and understanding the inner workings of how people think. So if, I, if something's triggering me because I blocked how mom made me feel as a kid and then it has me reacting to my boss, if we're taking this example, in a weird way, that's gonna fuck up my self-esteem because I'm like, wait, I don't wanna behave in this way and yet I am. I cannot tell you how oh, disempowering it is to behave in a way that you don't wanna be behaving in. And that's why I think those Karen videos, get under my skin so much. I mean, perhaps they get under everybody's skin, but they get under my skin so hard because I I know that that's a trauma reaction. Like, a, a grown woman. And that's one of, that also goes to my theory of why 53% of white women voted for Trump. This is just my guess, is that they had a father figure or a boyfriend or somebody, a male figure in their life that, that emotionally abused them, that denied their reality. Because what the president of the United States is currently doing every time he fucking says stuff is he says that the pen is blue when the pen is red. And it's like, wait a second, what the fuck? And the people who can, if you can understand and grasp what gaslighting is, then you can see that that's happening. But if you don't have a grasp of what gaslighting is and that's how your dad treated you or or your mother, then that's gonna be so comforting to you. So it kind of made me understand a little bit why some people are so diehard Trump and they won't let anything he says deter their love for him and I'm like what are you smoking it's not what they're smoking it's what was your childhood like okay okay we're going over an hour fuck it I'll make the rules uh and then let's let's go to the sec let's move on to the section what we do know While we may not know all the biological or developmental factors that influence self-esteem, we know a good deal about the specific practices that can raise or lower it. That is such good news, y'all. We know that an honest uh, commitment to understanding inspires self-trust and that avoidance of the effort has the opposite effect. So if you strive to understand yourself, you begin to trust yourself, your self-esteem goes up. If you'd rather not get to know certain sides of yourself, which I think is 90% of the human population, it's going to have the opposite effect on your self-esteem. It's going, to make it, it's going to make it really bad. I can't have it. I don't have any other adjectives on the tip of my tongue, y'all, except really bad, okay? And that's why, for example, the beauty industry rakes in billions of dollars a year. I can sell you, guys, I can go up to you. If you have shit self-esteem, I could sell you any product if you have shit self-esteem and you're wearing shorts outside and we're all in this butthole of heat and we're not smoking because no one wants to smoke inside of a butthole. Gotta wait till the sun goes down so it doesn't feel like we're in a butthole. But if I go up and be like, oh wow, you got weird spider veins. Oh my God, I have a cream for that. That's not even me trying really hard to make you feel bad. But if you have low self-esteem, you'd be like, oh wait, you do? Please give it to me so I can fix it. Will this make me pretty? Do you, how, do you know how many times I've walked into Sephora and told myself, Christina, only come in here and buy what you came in to buy, which is your face creams. And then I, I cut to 20 minutes later, I'm standing in line with three new eyeshadow palettes. That's every time I walk into Sephora. And then I have to go, Christina, are you trying to cover up? What are you doing here? You don't need all these eyeshadow palettes. Who needs 20 different shades of orange? You're not a makeup artist. You have your friend Aya for that. She's a makeup artist. So look at the commercials next time. That's for a beauty product. Or uh, like, hey, ladies, are you a fat fuck? Are your arms fat and gross and cottage cheesy? Cool sculpting. I mean, it's way too easy. And that's not to knock people who get, you know, plexus surgery, because I used to think, I don't know why I thought this. I kind of just... Man, I really didn't have my own opinions until like a year ago. Um, but I used to think that people who got plastic surgery were like the most insecure people. And then I understood I was introduced to people who got it for them. They just cared. They just want to do it for them. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you can be, cons- you know, you can be, I don't think it's insecure to be into your looks at all, but there's levels. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mirror selfies, if that's all you have, you maybe take a look at yourself. Um, you know metaphorically but uh, but you know I used to think that if you got yeah plastic surgery that but you're really insecure but then I met people who are like no I do it for me I just want to feel good I'm like okay I get that I get that angle if that that feels healthy I mean who am I but um, where was I again we're going on tangents um, let's see let's keep reading let's keep reading we know that people who love mindfully feel more competent than those who live mindlessly oh people who live mindlessly okay we know that people who live mindlessly have are less competent than people who live mindfully so that just goes to being present in your body at all times okay it seems like uh an impossible task because look at tally all the ways when this episode is done make a list of all the ways that you exit reality that's looking at your phone looking on instagram looking at the news um you know there's a line with all of this stuff sometimes your career depends on instagram sometimes you know you want to be a helpful citizen you want to know what's going on you got to watch the news but really look at all the ways throughout your day and throughout your night that you exit reality weed oh it's my favorite one hop on that weed train that's one of the things i loved about feel your feelings january i had to feel my goddamn feelings and it was lovely and then the second it was over, I'm like, let's go back to that ganja life at night, though. Um, but, okay, we should. this is a question we should be asking. What can I do today to raise the, my level of self-esteem? We will see that, whatever our histories, if we understand the nature of self-esteem and the practices it depend on, most of us can do a great deal. This knowledge is important for two reasons. First, if we wish to work on our own self-esteem, we need to know that specific practices have the power to raise it. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Second, if we are working with others and wish to support their self-esteem, to inspire and bring out the best in them, we need to know what specific practices we aim to nurture or facilitate. We must become what we wish to teach. Oh, that's a good quote. I want to say that the place, um, okay, so when you're trying to do self-esteem work, you have to start with yourself. It's the metaphor of put the oxygen mask on you before you put it on little Wilbur, okay? So if you want to be a teacher, if you want to be a great teacher, if you want to be a great leader of a group, or if you want to create a culture in your company, you have to have healthy self-esteem first. It starts with y'all. And isn't that exciting? I really think if everybody listening to this, if your self-esteem throughout this series of doing a deep dive on this particular book I know that your self-esteem will improve at least a little bit and that is me making the world better and then you're going to be better to the people around you which is going to inspire them to be better. I mean, seriously, Gandhi who? (laughs) Um, The unresolved issues within oneself set the limits of one's effectiveness in helping others. It may be tempting but it is self-deceiving to believe that what one says can communicate more powerfully than what one manifests in one's person. So it's the whole actions speak louder than words. We must become what we wish to teach. Yeah, because we all know that person, and I was that person, who's like, these are all the projects I'm working on, blah, blah, blah. And then you come home and you realize, it seems like I'm doing a lot of work and then I'm busy all the time because I'm telling people I am. But then when I come home, let's just masturbate and then smoke weed and then pet Kevin for an hour. And then, oh, I would get to my to-do list, but it's tired. I'm tired. Let me go lay in bed for three hours before I actually fall asleep. Didn't get nothing done so taking actions towards our goals whatever they may may be will increase your self-esteem always do your best motherfuckers oh this is an interesting story um i'm not gonna read it though you just well no should i read it should i read it i'll read it fuck it's quarantine you're not doing anything else well you probably are you working on your spreadsheets are you rollerblading wear your pads there's a story i like to tell psychotherapy students In India, when a family encounters a problem, they are not likely to consult a psychotherapist. They consult a local guru. In one village, there was a wise man who had helped this family more than once. One day, the father and mother came to him, bringing their nine-year-old son, and the father said, "'Master, our son is a wonderful boy, and we love him very much, but he has a terrible problem, a weakness for sweets that is ruining his teeth and health. We have reasoned with him, argued with him, pleaded with him, chastised him, nothing works.' He goes on consuming ungodly quantities of sweets. Can you help us? To the father's surprise, the guru answered, go away and come back in two weeks. One does not argue with the guru, so the family obeyed. <sighs> I wish I was a guru. Two weeks later, they faced him again, and the guru said, good, now we can proceed. The father asked, won't you tell us, please, why you sent us away for two weeks? You've never done that before. And the guru answered, I needed the two weeks because I, too, have a, had a lifelong weakness for sweets until i had confronted and resolved that issue within myself i was not ready to deal with your son not all psychotherapists like this story <laughs> i like that line cuz boy you ever go to your high school reunion or your college re- you know your high school reunion and the looniest looney tune you meet you're like oh how are you ellen and ellen's like i'm great i'm a therapist now and you're like oh really you're a therapist a lot of people i know that have become therapists are truly do it they're truly equipped but some people that i know that have become therapists are trying to to avoid their own wounds y'all it's human nature and then there's a lot of sentence completion work in this in this and i encourage you to do it maybe read the book once and have an idea for it um but have you know get a notebook buy a notebook and do the sentence completion work because a lot of times um he has you complete these sentences rapidly. So come up with 10 different answers for, I feel best when, for an example. So um, get a notebook ready for the sentence completion shit. I'm not gonna, I'm probably not gonna share mine. Um, but uh, you should do it. It's re- it's truly is helpful. Because you're seeing a map of what you think. It's very helpful. Because you might want to believe that you love yourself, but honestly, there are holes for you to find. Since self-esteem is a consequence a product of internally generated practices. We cannot work on self-esteem directly, neither our own nor anyone else's. That is so, that's so important. Self-esteem is a consequence. It's the fruit of our labor, y'all. It's the fruit of our labor. We must address ourselves to the source. If we understand what these practices are, we can commit to initiating them within ourselves and to dealing with others in such a way as to facilitate or encourage them to do likewise. Working with people in psychotherapy to build self-efficacy. And I looked up, I knew what self-efficacy means, but I was like, what is the formal definition? Because if I try to tell you from memory, I couldn't tell you. So maybe I don't know what it means. Anyway, I looked it up. And self-efficacy is how well one can execute courses of action required to deal with prospective situations. Self-efficacy, I never really was introduced to that term until this book. That's an important, that is an important aspect of yourself is your self-efficacy how do you handle situations how do you handle what life throws at you there's so many sayings there's so many magnets some quotes that basically the notion of the saying is like we see who you really are when shit hits the fan you know anybody can be a nice patient calm person when everything's going well but when shit hits the fan who are you then that's your self-efficacy One does not have to attain perfection in these practices, these practices to these six practices, these six pillars. One only needs to raise one's average level of performance to experience growth in self-efficacy and self-respect. I have often witnessed the most extraordinary changes in people's lives as a result of relatively small improvements in these practices. In fact, I encourage clients to think in terms of small steps rather than big ones, because big ones can intimidate and often paralyze. While small ones seem more attainable, and one small step leads to another. I mean, if that isn't me in a nutshell. If I cannot, if you present to me a project like I've been working on this book proposal, all summer. I'm doing a book, and but it's not. It's a mixture of it's. It's what I. It's exactly what I want the book to be. It's photos. It's poem. It's just. It's this fun shit for my brain, but. The idea of a book seems so it paralyzing, truly, that I have to baby myself, and I have to go. Okay, Christina, you do want a book? That's cool, but get that out of your system for a second. What is the first? Okay, you have to write a book proposal. What's on page one? Like, I truly have to baby myself that much, in order for me to get shit done. I have to hold my own hand, guys. Be the parent that you never had, or that you coulda, that that you needed, or whatever. And that's not a knock to parents because we all do what we can. We all do what we can. And so that's the chapter uh, chapter five about the importance of taking action, focusing on action, rather, focusing on actions. And it's like, thank God, you don't have to focus on what shit childhood you had for fucking once. because scientifically, if you take these steps of actions and you practice a pra- a yoga practice, any type of practice, you practice the piano practice the harmonica. You have to practice it every single day in order to get good. Um, So the good news is we're going to learn about all these separate six pillars of self-esteem and we're going to learn ways to actually take action towards them every day, just a little bit, and keep them in the back of your head. Write them in a sticky note on your mirror. Next week, we're going to do chapter six, which is the first pillar of self-esteem, and that's the practice of living consciously. Okay, y'all? I love you so much. I hope you have a great week. Don't kill yourself. If you if you emailed me about uh, a free copy of this book um, by last Friday, it is on its way to you. So thank you for being here. Thank you for allowing me to be the voice in your head this past one hour and 15 minutes and 14 seconds as of this recording. I love you so much. Come see me see me in Buffalo. And uh, don't be a dick. Talk to you next week.
0: I was out of your league. Twenty thousand underneath the sea Waving affections You were out of my league At a distance that I didn't wanna see Down to the bottom I wanted a junction And often there was one surface faced first and we'd share thought bubbles and I still believe in the phrases that we breathed but I know the distance isn't